can say this. We'll see uh, if my dad listens to the to the podcast. But um, so I was supposed to see Star Wars with him tomorrow, and we are going to see it. And as far as he knows, it's the first time we're going to see it. But on Friday, uh, Sandra was taking the cat to the vet, so I had Kewen, and we finished a lot earlier than we anticipated. So I left. Uh, she went to a mommy thing with Kewen. I went to enjoy my day off. And there was a theater that was playing the movie, and I did happen to go in and, uh, and watch it. It was quite good. Um, but don't tell him. If he, if he listens to this, then, uh, then so be it. But, um, you know, I'm uh, trying to give him uh, the benefit of the doubt. Um, but it is good. And uh, with Star Wars back uh, in the... Um, this is actually what I was going to preach on, so it works out. Um, with Star Wars back in the uh, in the news, you uh, you've probably seen a lot of interviews now with its three original stars: Mark Hamill, uh, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. And I've really, especially enjoyed um, of the three of them. I've really enjoyed listening to Carrie Fisher. Uh, she's been talking a lot about Princess Leia, and she's speaking uh, so candidly about some. Let's be honest, some not very great things. Whoop. Some not very great things. Uh, she, um, for the original role, she was asked to lose 20 pounds. And uh, especially in the latter movies, she was asked to wear not-so-great clothing. And she's talked about this with a mix of honesty, humor, and defiance. And I, I find this very graceful because for, for Leia's character, um, as it moved uh, in the movies, it, it had a problematic arc. Uh, in the first movie, she's really a warrior uh, for the rebellion, uh, uh, you know, this really great person who is trying to make a difference. And then the last two, um, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, she's kind of reduced to a damsel in distress character. Though, and this was a lie in my sermon, though I have heard she's referred to as General Leia in the new movie, so I guess there's some progress. But having seen it, I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you, she is referred to as General Leia. Uh, which is cool, but not so great for the original trilogy. That they kind of took this wonderful character and made her a stereotype. And I liken what the movies did to Leia to what the church has historically done to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was not just Jesus' mother. She was, as we see today, a prophet and a disciple. She was the first to bear witness to the one who would change the world. And yet throughout Christian history, male theologians revised her role. Instead of calling her Mary, they called her the Virgin Mary. They claimed she never had sex and remained pure because, God forbid, women enjoy sex. They held her up as this paragon of Christian womanhood just because she was faithful to give birth. They took someone who prophesied, they took someone who stood by her dying son to the bitter end while his cowardly disciples, all men, fled, and they reduced her to a symbol of misogyny. Now there is a debate amongst my colleagues in the ministry about whether or not we should still do Mother's Day carnations in worship. Now, before I chase away the few people that are here today, let me explain why. Just as it was for Leia to be changed from warrior to damsel, and for Mary to be changed from prophet to symbol, so also many of us worry about how our church views women today, and how those views impact our ministry. Now, 
Being a mother is an awesome thing. I'm very thankful for my mother. I'm very blessed to co-parent Kewen with a woman who is an awesome mother. All of you in here who are mothers or would-be mothers are great. But the danger that Mary's symbolism produces is that we may accidentally, intentionally, or otherwise judge women by their fertility and by their capability to parent. And that is fundamentally wrong and contrary to the story of today's gospel. Now what's being lifted up in the Luke text, especially, especially when we sing the Magnificat, is that Mary is not venerated for her fertility, but rather for her faith. And it is indeed her faith and no one else's. Elizabeth has a different story. She has been barren for so many years and she is now pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary is young and pregnant out of wedlock. Their journeys are different and their lives are not defined by their ability to produce children. But their faith stories, Elizabeth's is shared earlier in Luke's gospel, are their own. Mary celebrates God because of her faith, not because of her pregnancy. The Magnificat she sings, and that we sing every Sunday in Advent, is Mary's story to tell. And the lyrics tell us so much about the Lord God of Israel, who favors the lowly, who scatters the proud, who fills the hungry but sends the rich away empty. And most importantly at the end, who recalls the promise not to abandon Israel. It is the story of a God who cares about the least of these and who remembers the promises that were made. This is the God that Mary's son would come to reveal to the nations. Now we are near the finish line of Advent. Thursday night we celebrate the greatest story ever told, the birth of Jesus Christ. And oh, have we altered that story to tailor to our needs. The birth of a child to a poor Middle Eastern Jewish family, has somehow spawned an excessive Gentile celebration in the West. I somehow missed that point in the Bible. Maybe it's, maybe it's sandwiched between Matthew and Luke's Gospel, and I just overlooked it. But Mary's story and Mary's song remind us that there is a difference between what God tells us and how we want to hear it. God calls us today to not forget the heart of this story. It's not about being the paragon of womanhood. It's about the faith of people who love God and who spread the word of God. We tell stories to entertain, enlighten, and educate. We tell stories here every Sunday, and all of us have our own story, respectively. And whether we are getting our stories from this building or from a movie theater, we give thanks for the tale. But we must remember that just as God has blessed each and every one of us as a unique child, God, God has also done that to each and every person out there. Their story is their own. They are not defined by who they appear to be, what gender or orientation they are, what their family is like or what is in their wallet. They are defined the same way we are all defined, with the mark on our head that symbolizes baptism. And it is the same for you. You are not the narrative that the world chooses to give you. You are God's own beloved child. Your age, your race, your gender, your hobbies, your gifts, 
They make you into the unique person that you are, not in spite of. Christ comes to the world to transform you by the power of God's love, but not to change your fundamental person. Your story will always be your own story, and no one can take that from you. The Magnificat encourages us to forsake how the world defines the children of God for the sake of the gospel. Because in that gospel, you can truly see the Christ in other people. And when you begin to do that, when you embrace the idea of loving even your worst enemy, you can begin to understand their story. Mary and Leah are wonderful people in their own right. Their stories are their own, and so is yours. And so is the story of Christ. If his apostles had their way, his story would end with a military triumph in Jerusalem. If death had its way, it would have ended on the cross. But thanks be to God, the story of Christ does not end there. It is always being written anew by God. Listen to that story. Amen.